Well, tonight I'm excited because we are beginning a new series uh, focusing on the power of God. And throughout this series, I want us to learn how to receive as well as release His power. Um, in order to receive His power, we've got to understand it. We've got to know what the Word um, speaks to regarding His power. And uh, how many of you uh, have heard God loves you, right? God loves you. Well, in the New Testament, there are different words for love. There is the, the, the word phileo, which is brotherly love, brotherly kindness. It's the love between uh, brothers, okay, the love between family. And then there's agape, which is a God kind of love. Uh, there, there is the, the love uh, also, eros, which is the erotic type of love, which exists within uh, a marriage. And so there's different words for love in the Greek language. In the same way, we're going to learn tonight that there are different words that are used in the original language of the New Testament, the Greek, for the power of God. And in this series, we're going to learn about the different aspects of His power and how we can apply the different uh, workings of God in our lives. Um, and so again, this series is really focusing on how to receive and release His power. So some would ask why I am teaching on the power of God. And I would, I would answer that with a story. There's a, a story of a logging foreman who sold a farmer a chainsaw. He said, to this farmer, this is guaranteed to chop down 50 trees a day. The farmer was impressed with that. A week later, though, the farmer stormed back through the front door. He threw the saw on the counter and demanded his money back. There's something wrong with this saw. There's no way it'll do 50 trees a day. It can hardly do three trees a day. The foreman grabbed the saw, pulled the cord, and the saw went zzzz. The farmer jumped back, his eyes wide open. Hey, what's that noise? Would you do this? Would you just do that? I mean, this, this guy had no clue of the power that was within that chainsaw because he never activated it through pulling the cord. And I find that there are many Christians to whom God's power is available to them, but they simply don't know how to access it. And that's why I want to do this series on the power of God. We're going to begin by looking at what the Bible says concerning the power of God. The psalmist said this in Psalm 62 and verse 11. God has spoken once, twice, I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. This word for power in the Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, it speaks of not only strength, it speaks of boldness. So when God's power is at work, it not only gives you strength, but it also gives you courage. 
So power belongs to who? To God. Then Jesus in the New Testament, he said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the what? The kingdom. And then this this kingdom, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, he says, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in what? In power. So Jesus said, it's God's desire, delight, pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then Paul points out that connected to the kingdom is power. Is power. Now, what Paul is saying is that God's kingdom is more than a kingdom of proclamation. It is a kingdom of demonstration. God's kingdom is more than a kingdom of proclamation, of talk, of speaking. It is also a kingdom of demonstration, of power, where God's dynamic, explosive ability is unleashed to confirm that He is who He says He is, and He can do what He's proclaimed He can do. So God's power is for the purpose of demonstration of His character, of His ability to fulfill who He says He is and what He has promised. Now, the same Apostle Paul prayed for believers in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. It says, I pray that you will continually experience, notice, the immeasurable greatness of God's what? Power. Made available to you, how? Through faith. So notice, God's power is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. That's another way of saying it's unlimited And then it says, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works how? Through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted Him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. That's power. Jesus was dead for three days. And God's power resurrected him. And Paul says that immeasurable great power is also at work in you. And God means it to work through you. Think about it, church. We have within our reach, even within us, God's divine power that raised Jesus from the dead and then exalted Him to a position that the Bible describes far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. In other words, not only is it immeasurable power, it is unconquerable power. It is unmatched power power. This is what the scripture says is available and at work in our lives and it is activated through faith. 
So if I truly believe in God, then I just don't believe that He exists. I also believe that He has deposited in me a power that is unconquerable, a power that is unmatched, a power that is immeasurable. And when you and I grab that and and begin to live with that understanding by faith, what happens is we discover that there is nothing, whatever is named, whatever you name it, whatever the name of the trouble, whatever the name of the sickness, whatever the name of the challenge, it doesn't compare to the power that God has deposited in my life. Think about it. This is what the scripture is saying. Now, there is a, well, let me just tell you, it's called a bathysphere. Now, bathyspheres are special deep water chambers which are designed to cope with the extreme pressure at the ocean's depths. Watch this. Encased in extra thick cast steel, they hold at bay the pressure that bears against them. And there's a picture of two bathyspheres there. Now, watch this though. What's interesting to me is this. The fish that swim just outside the portals of these vessels are not steel-plated. Yet they swim about carefree, completely at ease in their pressure-filled environment. How do they do it? Hmm. Their anatomy is fashioned to apply equal and opposite pressure from within. Their exteriors are soft and pliable, but their inward parts are tough as steel. Y'all ain't getting what I'm getting here. When life begins bearing down on us, it's easy to put a hard exterior in order to hold the pressures and stresses of life at bay. But the Christian doesn't need to be cynical or hard to cope with the world. Because like the fish of the deep, we possess a power from within which is able to match and equalize the opposing pressures from without. I love the way John put it. He put it this way in 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is where? In you than he who is in the world. Do you see what John was saying? Whatever the pressures may be on the outside, the believer has a greater power residing on the inside within. I have often said the power on the inside is greater than the pressure on the outside. You may feel like this is too much for me to handle. This is too much for me to bear. But I want to remind you, God deposited 
something inside of you. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He deposited His power within you. And I want to declare over you, you are not going to crack. You are not going to fold. You are not going under because you possess a power on the inside of you that is greater than the pressure on the outside of you. Woo! Now, I told you that in the New Testament, there are at least five root words that can be translated as power. And they are, first, exosia, which means delegated authority. Then you have dunamis, which is miraculous dynamite power. The word dunamis, it's the word from which we get our English word dynamite. Then you have energia, which is energy and Krautas, which is dominion, and Itzkas, which is strength. So these are the five different words for power that are found in the New Testament. And throughout this series, we're going to learn their meaning and how we can apply their power in our lives. So tonight, we're going to look at the first one, exosia. Now, it, go with me to John chapter 1 and verse 12, and, and I want you to see it on the screen because I'm quoting out of the King James Version. Now watch. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he, what? Power to become the sons of God. The word power there, it's that first Greek word, exosia. Now, he gave power to become. Say power to become. It says power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Again, the word power here is a Greek word, exosia. It describes delegated authority or influence. Delegated authority is authority that somebody gives you in their name. Authority that somebody else possesses that they give to you to exercise. Basically, it means the, the authority to act in somebody else's stead. So, and, and, and also because of that authority, you carry influence. Not your own, but theirs. Now, the day you chose to make Jesus your Lord and Savior is the day that He delegated to you the power and authority to become a child of God. Now, think of it. Think of it. All, at that moment of decision, all the power, authority, and divine influence that is resident within the mighty name of Jesus Christ came to live on the inside of you. What are you saying, Pastor? The day of your decision, something dynamic took place. The day you decided to turn your life over to Jesus, something dynamic took place. Say what? No, you say what? Say what? I don't You're like, what? Say what? Here's what happened. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone, say anyone, is in who? Christ. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's this verse say? This verse says, your a brand new creature if you are in Christ. Watch this. The word new is from the Greek word 
kainos. And it describes something that is brand new or recently made. Watch this. It always, it also carries the idea of something that is superior. Something that is brand new or recently made. And it also describes something that is superior. This means that when Jesus Christ came into your life, you were made brand spanking new. And the new you is superior to the old you. Let me repeat that. The new you is superior to the old you. In fact, you are so new that this verse calls you a new creation. The word creation is a Greek word, interesting word. Kiktis. Kikutis. It is the same word to describe, watch this, the creation of the world. Why is that important? When God created the universe, he used no existing materials or old elements to make it. (laughs) Everything in creation was newly made. Now that same word is used to describe what happened to you the day you got saved. Everything about you is new. What are you saying, Pastor? You're not unamended, corrected, or improved version of what you used to be. You are absolutely a brand new creation. When Jesus Christ came into your life, he created you to be free from the past, free from the negative effects of your family, and liberated from all former hang-ups, hurts, and hang-habits. In short, a brand new creation. So I want to bring to your attention the following. It's time to stop laying claim to your family's genetic problems, inheritable sicknesses, dysfunctional behavior, disorders, hang-ups, curses, or any other negative thing that was a part of your life before Christ. Because you are no longer B.C. You are N.C. You are a new creation, a new species of being. Don't lay claim to that stuff anymore. Why? Because of who you are in Christ. I love what Paul writes in Romans 6.6. Watch how it reads in the Passion Translation. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him, that is with Jesus, to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. When we get a revelation of this truth, I am brand 
brand spanking new. I am a new species of being. I may have been that, but I am no longer bound to that. Because I was co-crucified with Jesus. And when I recognize that and I identify with that truth, that reality, then I come to realize my old self is deprived of its power to manipulate and dominate and intimidate my life. It has no right to me anymore. I have been freed through Jesus Christ and made brand new. Woo! What I'm saying is you have a new identity and destiny because of your God-given authority. You have a new identity and destiny because of your God-given authority. The problem is that too many believers are letting the devil commit identity theft in their lives. You're letting the devil steal your identity. How? Through his accusations. When he brings up your past, you start to buy in. Well, maybe I haven't changed. Maybe I'm not brand new. Maybe I'm still bound to my old life. But the devil, remember who he is. Jesus called him out for who he is. In John 8, 44, he said, the devil is the father of lies. And so if he's talking to you, please translate what he's saying for what it is. It's a bag full of lies and you need to throw the lies back in his bag and throw them in his face and say enough already I know who I am now the old me no longer exists he is dead I am brand new but wait 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 wait. there's more (sighs) Ephesians 2.10 says for we are his workmanship say workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I have a a study Bible called the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. And it has a a help that is called the word wealth. And in it, it points out that this word workmanship, it's from a Greek word, poema. Poema. And, and, And this word poema is from the verb poeo, which means to make, say to make. And we get our English words, poem and poetry, from this word, poema, which is the word workmanship that is used here in Ephesians 2.10. Now, the word signifies that which is manufactured, a product, a design produced by an artisan. Poema emphasizes God as the master designer. The universe as his creation, Romans 1.20. And the redeemed believer as his new creation, Ephesians 2.10. Watch this. Before conversion, our lives had no rhyme or reason. Conversion brought us balance, symmetry, and order. We are God's poem. His work of art. Now, Evangelist Sam Rodriguez, who is also a pastor, he has written an article in this Bible under the heading of 
God's workmanship, human worth, divine destiny. And he points out concerning this verse, good artists are known for the quality of the artistic products they produce. Great artists rise above good artists in their products that they that they produce because great artists rise above good artists in that their products stand out when viewed next to good art. Mm. However, a masterpiece has no equal. It cannot be copied or imitated. A masterpiece results from the artist careful craftsmanship and its value is measured by the price a buyer is willing to pay for it. The value becomes permanent when the name of the artist becomes known. Abe, you are God's masterpiece. And you know what is neat? What he did in you? He signed. That's what gives you value. But you know what blows me away? The Bible tells me in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He knit me together in my mother's womb. But when I came out, I was born in sin. And through my own choices, I began to diminish my value. But he comes in the person of Jesus to earth to reclaim me, paying the highest price. Why? Because in spite of my blemishes, my weaknesses, my defects, he knows When you were being formed, it was my hands that were fashioning and forming you. And when you were being fashioned and formed, I was hardwiring you with unique graces, talents, abilities. And even though you have become defective, those things still exist in you. And I'm going to pay the highest price because I know what I put in you. I'm going to redeem it because you're worth every drop of blood my son is shedding because I made you. And I know what I made you to become. Woo! Isn't that good? So, as we get ready to Wrap this up. I want you to make these declarations with me. Ooh, this is good. Declaration number one. I am not a knockoff. Say it. I am not recycled, rehashed, refurbished. I am a new creation. I am a masterpiece. I'm not a knockoff. You know that, anybody got Nike? Nike's known as a name brand, right? An expensive brand. It's a successful company. But did you know the word Nike is from a Greek word, Nikaio? 
And you know where that word is found in the Bible? Romans 8.37. Where it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Not only is Nikayo there, but there is a prefix in front of it, Hooper. And that's why we have more than conquerors. Nike, conquer. But the Bible says, you're better than conquer. You are Hooper, Nikayo. And so, compared to me, Nike is a knockoff. I'm the real deal. I'm a super Nikayo through Jesus Christ. Now, don't go to the garment district to buy Nike. You'll end up with Nikki, okay? I'm just a knockoff. Now, here, here's another declaration. Say it with me. I have a new identity and destiny because of my God-given authority. Yes. He gave you and I the power to become children of God. And so I have a new identity and destiny because of my God-given authority. And one more declaration. Say it with me. I possess the power to become what God created me to be. I possess the power to become what God created me to be. The devil is a liar when he tells you you're too weak. You're not smart enough. You're not, you, you don't have the, 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 the upbringing that is necessary. You weren't born on the right side of the tracks. You tell him, devil, I may not have been born on the right side of the tracks, but I am now born again. And now I am positioned to become what I can be in the Lord. Now there is a coach, Coach John Wooden. He used to coach the UCLA Bruins basketball team. And he said that his dad often stated, make each day a masterpiece. God gives you a new white canvas each day. And each deed and thought is a brushstroke of art. Make sure you paint a masterpiece. When you wake up tomorrow, understand, I've got the power, the exosia, to make this day a masterpiece. Because of who I am in Christ. Max Lucado tells this story. Over a hundred years ago, a group of fishermen were relaxing in a Scottish seaside inn. One of the men gestured, gestured widely. And his arm struck the serving maid's tea tray. Sending the teapot flying into the whitewashed wall. The innkeeper surveyed the damage inside. The whole wall will have to be repainted. Perhaps not, offered a stranger. Let me work with it. Having nothing to lose, the proprietor consented. The man pulled pencils, brushes, and pigment out of an art box. In time, an image began to emerge. A stag with a great rack of antlers. The man inscribed his signature 
at the bottom, paid for his meal, and left. His name, Sir Edwin Landseer, the famous painter of wildlife. Lucado concludes, In his hands, a mistake became a masterpiece. He continues, God's hands do the same over and over. (laughs) He draws together the disjointed blotches in our life and renders them an expression of His love. So I want to encourage you because some of you are like, okay, I'm brand spanking new, but I don't feel new. If you would check me out, Pastor, my paint is chipping. <laughs> if you would check me out, you would find that there's some defects. Oh, but he is the master artisan. He can remake. He can renew. He can restore. And what he restores is always better even than the original version. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your power. The power to become. Your delegated authority and influence that we have access to tonight. And where we can become what your word says that you created us to be, what you gifted us to be. Father, I thank you. For who you are. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to share with you what just came to mind. Something that God has used. And you got to know that your pastor, sometimes when I'm watching a movie, something happens in me. And I see redemption at work. My favorite time of the year is Christmas. I love Christmas. And usually at Christmas time, I try to watch the Christmas movies. Like Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. In fact, I bought the set early on at Costco. I love, I believe it's on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The island of the misfit toys. These toys feel discarded, devalued, and feel like they have no purpose. But then, they're claimed and they're taken to become useful. takes what's been discarded takes what others would say defective and through his touch of grace he makes it useful valuable and I'm saying to you tonight here child of God you're valuable you've got power on the inside of you that is greater than any pressure on the outside of you. 
And some of you have felt devalued. You felt, I'm not worth much, but I'm, I'm, I'm attacking that lie right now. I'm, 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 I'm addressing that lie right now in the name of Jesus to let you know you are valued. Not too long ago, I was in the presence of two individuals and one of them was telling me this person doesn't feel valued. And it amazed me because of the age of that individual. But I took the opportunity to speak life over that person. I declared over them what God says. To the prophet Isaiah, God says, You are precious, highly esteemed, valued in my eyes. I want you to know, child of God, regardless of what has happened to you, you are valued in God's eyes. There's some of you right now that you are under pressure. But I want to declare over you today God's power within you is going to keep you from cracking, from folding, from going under. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to prevail. You are Hooper Nikayo. You are more than a conqueror. Yes, you are. You say, Pastor, that speaks to me. I want you to come forward right now to this altar. And I want you to let the Father embrace you, the Heavenly Father. I want you to let Him pour His oil of healing into your heart right now. I want you to open up to His power right now. Some of you are experiencing pressure and stress and you needed to know today that there is a power within you that is greater and you want that power to be activated right now. You come near to God because I'm telling you, it's our drawing near to God that triggers, that triggers His power at work. That's it. Just come to Him right now. Say, Lord, I'm coming to You and I'm yielding to You and Lord, I just want You to Embrace me. I want you to just pour into me. I want you, Lord, to know I'm open to receive. I'm open, God, for your power to be activated within me. The power that you've deposited. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now. You're the one that opens our eyes to see. And I pray that right here, right now. Yes, Lord. Oh, thank you for your children, Abba. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, God, I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. For it gives us the confirmation that through you we are valued. Yeah.